There's a growing demand for psychologists to conduct psychological evaluations to be used in immigration proceedings. What are some of the different types of cases often involved in these evaluations? In what way might these immigration evaluations protect the community, particularly survivors of violent crimes? Listen to my conversation with Dr. Carolina Jimenez, who has worked with immigrants for over 20 years. Welcome to People, Color, and Psychology, the show that explores mental health topics specific to culture, diversity, and communities of color. I am your host, Jack Zen. We have Dr. Jimenez as our guest today. She's a Latina bilingual licensed psychologist in private practice who specializes in comprehensive immigration evaluations for the Violence Against Women's Act, the U Non-Immigrant Status or U Visa Asylum, and Extreme Hardship Cases. Prior to her clinical and evaluation work, Dr. Jimenez did as part of her doctoral dissertation examining predictors of well-being and depression among Central American and Mexican immigrants, and for her thesis, studied college adaptation of international and first-generation students. Dr. Jimenez was named one of Houston's top five psychologists in the year 2020 and 2023. She is an expert in the area of immigrants' mental health and has trained other mental health professionals on the subject and been invited to numerous media appearances on the topic. Today, Dr. Jimenez will be having a conversation with us about psychologists' involvement with immigration evaluations and demystifying some of the process for us. Additionally, she will share her insights so that we can build upon our knowledge in working with clients who may, at the contextual level, be impacted by the immigration evaluation experience. Dr. Jimenez, it is a pleasure to have you here with us. Thank you for having me. Well, I, I'm so excited to have you here today. And can you tell me your journey and how did you get involved with this work? So it all started when I was ready to transition into private practice. I kept getting calls about people seeking psychological evaluations for their immigration case. Back then, I did not have the proper training, so I would refer them out. But I just kept consistently getting those phone calls. So eventually, I decided to go full-time into private practice, get the proper training, do more outreach with immigration attorneys, and it has been taken off since then. That's kind of like the short version of it. The long version is I actually started working with immigrants in 1998 at the University of Houston. I was part of a research study that was studying the predictors of well-being and depression among Mexican and Central American immigrants. As an undergrad student, I was able to help gather some data. Uh, coming back into my PhD, I ended up using that data for my archival dissertation study. So it all came full circle. So I think I was just fortunate enough to have had the best training at the undergrad level and then also live in a city where there's such a high demand for these services. Yeah, yeah. And you live in Houston, so I would imagine there's this high demand. Now, it's interesting. You said you got called up just naturally. People just reached out to you about doing this evaluations. How did that happen? Were you marketing yourself in some way? or I was not. I think they were just doing a Google search for psychologists in Espanol, so Spanish-speaking psychologists, and they were just desperate trying to find someone who could help them that they will just call anyone who was a psychologist who might be able to work with them in their language. Wow, wow, okay. Now, I'm actually curious 
about your interest in the field. Can you share with us maybe something others don't know about you or just how did you get into this field? I actually started pre-med as an undergrad because, you know, my parents wanted a doctor in the family. And then because of that research project as an undergrad, when I was interviewing immigrants and seeing the differences between the way that some of them express or try to inhibit their emotions, that got me really interested in psychology. Thanks to that research study, I ended up becoming a psychologist, but I remember thinking people are interesting, people are in pain, I want to help people. And just the more I talk to people, the more I realize how complex we are. I switched from pre-med to psychology, and initially I was actually just going to go for a master's in clinical psychology. When I finished that degree, I worked for about a year as a substance abuse counselor, and I realized I still had so much to learn. I went back for a PhD, and that's where I met you. So I'm really happy about the path <laughs> that life has taken me down on. Yeah, yeah. I, I really loved our conversations just informally in graduate training. Now, one of the things that we've mentioned and talked about, too, is, and this is one of the questions I ask a lot of folks, that is, as a person of color, what were some of the challenges you experienced that you would be willing to share? Ironically, about assessment, I remember being in my master's program, you know, taking this intellectual assessment classes, personality assessment. In terms of intellectual assessment, we get trained in some of the skills, like the Weichler assessment, intelligence skill. And there were certain words I just could not pronounce due to my accent. So I remember the professor at the time telling me, you will never be able to do assessment. I was extremely discouraged. I was like, okay, I just need to pass this class just because it's a requirement. We move forward to the PhD program. I have to take intellectual assessment again. So I'm nervous to begin with. I approached the professor, I shared my experience, and he was amazing. He didn't make any assumptions, he wasn't dismissive. He's like, well, I don't wanna assume, but do you speak any other languages? I'm like, yeah, I speak Spanish. Well, then you can do assessment in Spanish. And I'm like, brilliant, it seems so simple and yet so empowering. That was actually Dr. Tom Kubison. I don't know if you remember him. Yes, oh, I love Dr. Kubison. oh, yes. Yeah. Wow, oh gosh, you know, it never occurred to me you know, because we also, we frequently think about the client experience of the assessment. Rarely do we think about the the psychologists who are actually delivering the assessment, how there's that language component. And the other thing I want to point out here is, so you're saying that you're concerned that you can't administer assessments because you had difficulty pronouncing a word? And I'm asking this because of how shocked I am from that first professor who told you that you can't conduct assessments and actually to point out the power and influence of faculty members. Correct. So it was this specific professor and I've been told my accent is quite unique. I think it's just a combination of different accents and there are certain words that I would find synonyms for. I don't know if she just wasn't patient enough or what was going on in her life, but basically her exact words were you will never be able to do assessment. <laughs> I oh, was crushed. Oh my gosh. Um, and the thing is, in English, I have an accent. In Spanish, I cannot roll my R's. So I cannot speak any one language perfectly, if you will, quote unquote. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. That, that must be heartbreaking to hear that. Here you are 
going through a training to get licensed to do clinical intervention and then being told you can't do this thing. And it's so amazing. And for those who don't know Dr. Kupazin, he is a white psychologist. So that is amazing to have an ally who is really empowering you. Absolutely. And I think I was fortunate enough to have met him after I had this negative experience at the master's level training to be able to have someone during my PhD training who was able to put things in perspective and take something that maybe others will look at as a disadvantage. And I'm just so thankful. I don't think I ever told him if he's listening to this, I hope oh, he knows I... <laughs> how much that meant. But yeah, I'm, I'm thankful and it just kind of keeps me going because I know, you know, we're always learning, we're always growing. And you learn, you learn ways where you can manage and still be able to do the best job to the best of your abilities. Yeah. Well, well, thank you very much for sharing that very personal experience. Now, let's talk a little bit about the immigration evaluations. You mentioned about the importance of us understanding at the contextual level of what clients go through. First of all, what are immigration evaluations? Who do they apply to? And Give us a little bit of uh, information here. So it's such a huge field and I only work with four cases and there's a lot more, but basically it's a psychological evaluation that takes into account all the different factors that immigrants go through as they're trying to live their lives here in the United States. I mainly work with asylum seekers and that's what gets a lot of media attention. You know, we have the situation at the border that's always showcased in news. However, we also have hardship waivers. So this specific ones is for American citizens or lawful permanent residents who are trying to help their loved ones stay in the United States. That's another misconception that all the evaluations are for immigrants. The majority of my work is with residents or citizens. A third one will be the U visa. And this is for people who have survived a violent crime. So if they suffer any physical or psychological abuse during the crime, they could qualify for this visa. And basically it helps the entire community. You know, it doesn't just help immigrants. If they're not scared to come forward, report a crime, help the police kind of make sure that the criminals are detained, then that benefits all of us. You know, they may have a pathway to legalize their status, and then we also help create safer communities. And then the last one was, uh, it's called VAWA. So it's the Violence Against Women Act, but it also applies to men. And that's for anyone who has survived any type of domestic abuse and their significant other. It doesn't have to be a spouse. It could be a partner. As long as the partner is an American citizen or lawful permanent resident, they could apply. And it also applies to parents who are being abused by their American citizen or lawful permanent resident adult children. Really? So, wow. So it actually really, in many ways, does protect the the immigrant population here. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm... In what way is a psychologist involved? So when you're doing these evaluations, are you talking about personality assessments? It depends on the referral question. So some of the more complicated cases, for example, uh, this is different from the ones I just mentioned. If someone is seeking exemptions to a citizenship exam, then it's a more complex evaluation. Then you have to assess maybe their intellectual abilities, personality, anything that could be preventing them from maybe taking the citizenship exam in English. It depends on the referral question. For mine, 
they're done in both personality assessments. It's basically an assessment of the client's current symptoms, an assessment of any factors that could be negatively impacting their mental health. So, for example, if someone comes to me seeking a U visa, we're going to talk about their personal background history. We're going to talk about the crime. I don't do a full comprehensive police report, but I do want to answer five basic questions. What happened? Where did it happen? Where? Who? So, for example, client reported that they survived an aggravated assault on May 2020th in Houston, Texas, perpetrated by a Hispanic male. We want to get a gist of what happened, but then my focus is going to be on the impact. Does the client have any symptoms of PTSD? How has the client been affected after surviving the crime? And it's interesting because a lot of the times the clients are not even aware until they come to me how much of an impact it's having on their lives. So most of my evaluations will take anywhere from two to three hours. Sometimes they can be done in one session, depending on the level of trauma. We take it at the client's pace. They may come back for two or three sessions. So just depending on how well they're able to disclose the events without getting completely overwhelmed. And of course, you know, keeping in mind what's in the client's best interest, you know, we'll either get through it on one time if that's what they want or have them come back again. So after I meet with them, I see if there's any applicable diagnosis. I write a report. The report is sent to the client and the immigration attorney and the attorney sends it to immigration. So that's all I do. I just work with the client. The referrals may or may not come from the attorneys. It's a short-term work, so it's not ongoing treatment. I don't provide therapy afterwards. The main reason is to assess current psychological state and to write my report. Within that report, write my recommendations. Wow. So there is a lot of intersection in understanding the, the law and also some of the legalities that's involved. And I take it the reporting is also unique. That's something you've had to learn. Can you share with us? Because I think you mentioned the importance of getting training in this yes. area. Yeah. So sure. I, yeah. So I build on the skills from graduate school. You know, we all know, well, most of us, you know, if we were trained, we know how to conduct intellectual assessments. We know how to conduct personality assessment. We know how to conduct a clinical interview. We know how to assess for symptoms. However, when it comes to immigration evaluations, the training has to focus on not necessarily becoming an expert on the law, but becoming aware, you know, what are U visas? I didn't know before I started this training. I didn't know U visas existed. I knew about violence against women. I knew about domestic abuse, but I did not know that you could get a VAWA visa. So becoming more informed about that intersection between law and immigrants' experiences, but also the field of psychology. To give you a more specific example, in terms of hardship waivers, people get so confused because they think the evaluation is for the immigrant. However, it's for the American citizen. So that's the first thing. If you don't know what a hardship waiver is, you could potentially end up doing the evaluation on the wrong person. Wait, hold so, on. Then, so, so hardship waiver applies mm -hmm. to the U.S. citizen? Correct. So that's where we're trying to prove what hardship the U.S. citizen or lawful permanent resident may experience if their immigrant spouse left the country. Oh, so there's this connection of being involved in a relationship when your spouse is an immigrant and that also impacts the U.S. citizen. Wow, okay. 
Correct. And if we don't know that, you know, we end up uh, doing the evaluation of the wrong person, then you have to redo it. So that's one of a, a very specific example of why it's so important to get the right training. So then, you know, I'm talking to the person. We talked about how they might suffer if their spouse left the country, how they may suffer if the hardship waiver is denied and they have to move out of the United States with their loved ones. So we assess hardship both through separation and hardship with relocation. And I would have no clue to do that unless I took the trainings. Wow. Wow. Okay. And thinking about our podcast, our message, is there something you would like our listeners to know about? Just be very aware that you don't have to be an expert in immigration law. You know, always consult with the immigration attorney if the client has one. That's their job to know the law, to kind of guide the client through the immigration process and make sure you keep that open communication with them whenever you're confused. They have some clients who will call me and tell me, no, no, the evaluation is for me. I'm 100% sure and I don't want to be disrespectful to them. So I'll phrase it in a way. Well, let me consult with your attorney and sure enough, you know, it wasn't for them. It was for their spouse. So make sure you have uh, proper training. And, you know, we talked about how that's a broad statement. So make sure you have training specifically for immigration evaluations. And then under that, there's even more specialized training. There's training for asylum cases. There's training for hardship waivers and there's trainings for domestic violence cases. And we still have a chance to use all our other training that we have accumulated throughout the years. So maybe you're certified, you volunteer maybe at a hotline for survivors of abuse. You can still draw on all that training. I don't want to minimize that. We do have valuable experiences. However, the one point I want people to take away from today is that because it is such an important thing for our clients' um, lives, we should consider getting as much additional training in terms of the immigration aspect of it as possible. Dr. Jimenez, I just want to say that I learned a lot in our conversation today and just being able to speak with you about immigration evaluations briefly. I'm wondering where can listeners find you? You can follow me. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm most active on Instagram, uh, Dr. Carolina Jimenez also on my website. So it's HoustonImmigrationEvaluations.com. I try to make it easier to remember. And they can also give me a call. It's 281-709-2933. If I don't answer, leave me a voicemail. I promise I'll get back to you. Um, yeah, so I think the website and maybe sending me an email. Um, I'm happy to refer people if they have specific questions to trainings. I'm happy to answer any questions they may have about the work. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I guess any other final thoughts that you might have? No, I'm just thank you so much for doing this. Um, I'm really glad you're doing this important work. I was excited when I saw the podcast and seen some of the other interviews that you've conducted. And I was just excited that you're creating a space for us to share our, our experiences. I don't think I ever told anyone before about that experience in grad school that I didn't realize how much it had impacted me. And it just feels good to finally be able to say it out loud and say, she was wrong. And Professor yes. told me I would never be able to do assessment. Thank you for creating this space. And thank you to every professor who trains us to become psychologists. 
Dr. Jimenez, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. I hope you liked this episode. Please subscribe and share. We'd love to hear from you, so send me a message on LinkedIn or email. The People of Color in Psychology is brought to you by the Multicultural Counseling Institute, and I'm your host, Jack Zenn.